710 ESPN presents The Experience, the Experience. with Lafern Cusack, where we go beyond the play and focus on athletes, fans, events, and the biggest issues that inspire and shape our lives. Here's the host of The Experience, Lafern Cusack. Lafern Cusack. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men, with one in eight men diagnosed in their lifetime. Right now, one man dies every 15 minutes from prostate cancer in the United States. PCF's vision is to end all deaths from prostate cancer by raising awareness and funding urgent cutting-edge research. Donate now to fund the world's most cutting-edge prostate cancer research at pcf.org. I have several stories about how the cutting-edge molecular analysis, this precision oncology, has radically altered a patient's prognosis. The most extreme example was a young man who was in his late 40s who had already developed advanced metastatic prostate cancer. He had been on multiple clinical trials and he was so sick and he was going into hospice. And I had begged the family, please let's get a genetic analysis. And they eventually finally were willing to have a genetic analysis performed. And literally, as the ambulance was taking him from a skilled nursing facility to an inpatient hospice, I got the result from his genetics and the light bulb went, went off, and I was able to get him a drug. And in two months, he came into my clinic walking in on his own power. And that patient continued to do well for a really long time. So we completely pulled this patient away from the jaws of death and radically altered his life. We have many, many other examples that are similar to that, where we've really changed a patient based upon their genetic profile. So if we go back decades, what we used to do is give patients the most toxic therapies. We used to give patients chemotherapy and give multiple drugs and patients suffered from side effects and didn't really gain much benefit. What we're seeing now more and more is our ability to tailor therapy to the individual patient. And that tailoring process is premised on specific features of the individual patient and that's precision oncology. Ultimately, what we want is to be able to take the medication off the shelf, write a prescription, and give it to the patient without having to do the clinical trial. But to get to that point where it's part of routine care, we need to do the research. And without the funding and all of the research that come with, resources that come with it, we won't ever get to that point. So the best place to put your money is the Prostate Cancer Foundation. It's for several reasons. One, is that the money goes to research, okay? That's critical. Two, they know who's doing the research, so they're not gonna necessarily duplicate research. They know who's doing good research, and they can funnel the money to the right people who are doing the cutting-edge research. PCF funds the world's most promising research to improve the prevention, detection, and treatment of prostate cancer, and ultimately cure it for good. What is the prostate? What are the symptoms of prostate cancer? And how does prostate cancer grow? We're gonna talk about that and much more with Julie DiBiase, Vice President of Content 
for Prostate Cancer Foundation. Your sports station is 710 ESPN. The experience is now. Here is Laferne Cusack. Welcome to 710 ESPN. This is Laferne Cusack. I'm speaking with Julie DiDiaze. She is vice president of original content for the Prostate Cancer Foundation. And you can find out more about that at pcf.org. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laferne. I'm so glad to be here. I'm happy you're here because you have a lot of great information for all of us that we need to hear. Tell us about your background and how you got into uh, the Prostate Cancer Foundation. My background is kind of interesting. I have a, a, a PhD in computer science, and so I have a bit of technology background, and then I also have an MFA in film and television. So what I've done with that interesting combination of background is I use my storytelling ability to to help um, organizations like the Prostate Cancer Foundation translate science into plain terms that people can understand and take action on. I love that. And uh, off air, we were talking about how you can take what you know and what you love and make it so valuable uh, by using storytelling, by using these things that you already know to create a story that people aren't afraid of or aren't afraid to like take in the information. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I love what I do and it, it's so um, fulfilling and to be able to uh, help more people, uh, men with prostate cancer and their families get through these hard times. There is uh, a lot of great evidence that shows that working in a diverse group. So that diversity may be having both men and women, having individuals of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds, that that diversity leads to the greatest success. You would think things like innovation would be a prognosticator for the long-term health of that organization. Actually, diversity, uh, gender diversity and other types of workforce diversity far outweigh that. The um, multiple uh, perspectives that come with having diversity in your workforce uh, are good for any organization in terms of their strategic thinking, their ability to adapt and be flexible in the face of, um, you know, of adversity or competition. The Prostate Cancer Foundation has done an amazing job in the past few years um, to increase diversity in research. First of all, they've really recruited and supported a lot of women physicians. And they also um, have really um, spent a lot of efforts trying to heighten awareness around health disparities and bring researchers into the field that are able to study and attack the problem of health disparities. It's, it's important to have diversity in ideas, diversity in experience, diversity in backgrounds, because it's really innovative thinking that drives the next new discovery. I have a student right now who is always in the lab. Uh, whatever's going on, He's working on the weekends, he's working late at night, and he is just so motivated. And his parents never graduated high school, never knew anything about college, and he's pushed himself to just keep going. And he uh, inspires everyone in the lab because people see what he's doing and say, wow, well, if he's that motivated, why aren't I? And it's bringing together students who haven't necessarily had all of these privileges and all these opportunities, they are motivated to do something that has never been done before. Uh, and it certainly impacts all of us. So tell us what exactly is prostate cancer? Right, so 
So first of all, only men have prostates, which, um, you know, uh, Try this party trick. Ask uh, <laughs> when we are able to go back to uh, you know uh, party conversation. Uh, try asking around how many people know that. It's not. It's 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 often shockingly few. Um, so only men have prostates. It's a, it's like a small squishy gland about the size of a ping pong ball, and it sits between uh, the bladder and the rectum. Um, and uh, prostate cancer is cancer of the prostate. And it's unfortunately it is it is often uh, completely symptom free. Um, so what, what we say at the Prostate Cancer Foundation, uh, we, we both fund research, but also our mission is to end death and suffering from prostate cancer. So that means educating men and educating families about um, prevention, risks, and screening for prostate cancer because, as we also talked about earlier, it is, it's one of the most suitable cancers, but it, it's really important that you find it early. Absolutely. And my dad found it early and he went in and got it taken care of. Unfortunately, my cousin uh, died. He he didn't get it taken care of and he died of it. And then now my uncle has it. And it's so frustrating to me because it's so treatable. It is. It's such a it's such a problem that, you know, I again, I'm sure you've experienced this not just with your um, your cousin and your your dad and your uncle, but with just about every man you meet and talk to. They don't like to talk about their health. They don't like to go to the doctor. They don't like to get checked. And oftentimes, these decisions, actually, um, healthcare decisions and and medical uh, appointments, it, it, a lot of times it falls to the women in the family. So we like to talk to everybody in the family, both for that reason. Um, and because uh, really prostate cancer is, is, a, is a disease of family. It's one of the most inherited cancers. Um, and what we know now, um, this is both interesting and also, you know, should kind of sound some alarm bells for everybody, is that the same genes that cause prostate cancer cause breast cancer and colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, ovarian cancer. So it, you have to know your family risk. You have to have these conversations in your family. You can't, you can't keep it silent. Right. Right. And it's, uh, I'm just, I'm just glad you're here talking about it because it, it's so, it's, it's so frustrating because I want everybody to just go get screened, <laughs> go get screened. And it's, is it every year? Well, so, so we, we emphasize in general precision medicine at the foundation and, and that, you know, that's, Precision nutrition, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, too. And um, it's precision screening, meaning, you know, everyone doesn't have to start screening at the same time. But it's important that you look at your risk factors and make a decision about when you should start talk, start talking to your doctor about screening. So there are some really, um, you know, the older that you get, the more likely you are to get prostate cancer. You're, we already talked about your family history of cancer is also going to be a factor. Race is a factor. Uh, we know that black men are 80% more likely to be diagnosed with prostate cancer and two times as likely to die from it. You know, we can talk a little bit about that um, and why that is. But, you know, lifestyle, which we're also going to talk about today, is one of those factors that contributes to that. And genetics is another. Okay. So why are black men getting it more? Well, so so we're we we're really honing in on on two. There's there's it's a complicated equation as you might imagine, and so we're honing in on two parts of it at the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Um, one is uh, we we have a research uh, project where we've discovered that uh, it's actually um, 
multiple genes that contribute to this increased risk. So uh, it's called polygenic risk. And that's, think of it like a hand of cards. And um, black men, unfortunately, just got dealt a worse hand of cards. And that's a, a polygenic, meaning multiple genes that contribute to prostate cancer. Um, and so in mo- multiple combinations of genes. And it just, it unfortunately makes it a little bit more likely and more aggressive in black men. Okay, so that's one factor. And then the other thing we know, and we know this also from um, all the data that's coming out of COVID, is it, we just know that there are socioeconomic issues that contribute to worse disease outcomes as well. Um, and one of those, one of those social determinants of health that we look a lot at is, is lifestyle um, and making sure that you're not smoking, that you're eating well and exercising. Um, and all the, that, that's all going to, those prevention techniques, it turns out that of all cancers, about 30% of cancer can be prevented with, with lifestyle changes and factors. My specific research interest is in prostate cancer in African-American men. I see the African-American uh, disparity in prostate cancer incidence and mortality as a window to the, uh, the epidemic of prostate cancer globally among men of African origin. The issue of looking at prostate cancer on a global scale is very fascinating. You look at African American men in the United States and African men born of African origin on another continent separated by several miles and they do have the same common problem. And we are seeing very stark similarities between the tumor biology of African American men and those on the African continent. The RESPOND initiative is really an initiative that is in partnership with the Prostate Cancer Foundation and the NCI as a national uh, campaign really uh, looking at linking epidemiologic risk factors, including stress and environmental exposures to the biology of prostate cancer, together to really solve the, pro- the problem of prostate cancer health disparities nationwide. And it's really a multi-institutional study for which Murphy Cancer Center is participating, and I'm very happy to be one of the investigators on this study. The important thing is to know that if there is an increased risk in a population of patients, then regulations such as when to have a first PSA testing done or if you have a family member who had prostate cancer at a younger age, what to do about that? I mean, these are basic fundamental questions that the community, the African-American community, need to be aware of because we can come up with all the treatments that we have, which is great, but if we don't address why more of these patients are getting the disease in the first place and why they are being diagnosed later in a later stage, I think the disparity will remain. So there is first um, awareness to allow African-American men to get engaged in the issue early on. But it's also a question of the scientists being able to say, if I'm designing a study, I need to design it so that I can engage the African-American community to participate in that study. So it becomes a multi-pronged solution. I think that's the only way we can address the problem. I don't think it's, it's fair to the patient to say, well, I can't help you now, but maybe 10 years later, I will. I believe that we need to accelerate our work, and that's a unique strength of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. So what are some of the things that we should look out for? Like if we're not feeling well, or how can we detect it early? Yeah, you know, that, that's why, um, we say you gotta have an early conversation with your doctor about screening because what you, it, it's not like some other cancers where you, you might start feeling bad by the, t- in prostate cancer, by the time you start feeling bad, unfortunately, it means usually that the, the, the cancer has metastasized somewhere else, and meaning that it's traveled somewhere else in the body. That's gonna make it harder to get rid of, and that's where the symptoms start coming from. We wanna try, if we can nip it earlier before it ever travels somewhere else in the body, then it, it we we have about a you know a ninety nine percent treatment rate. And so the problem is, 
prostate cancer is a silent killer. Um, while the cancer is still in the prostate, most of the time it's completely asymptomatic. So what you have to do is you have to know your family history. We uh, at the Prostate Cancer Foundation say that if you're African-American, you should start talking to your doctor about screening as early as 40 years old. Oh, if you are black or if you know you have a family history of prostate cancer. Otherwise, start the conversation with your doctor at 45. You start that conversation, the doctor look, will look, you know, take the co- complete picture of your health, your family history, your age, your lifestyle factors, and then you and your doctor make a, an individual decision about when to start screening. But you have to know to ask. You can't rely on the doctor to ask, and that's why... Also, if you go to pcf.org slash guides, we have all kinds of information guides, either specifically for black men, we have one specifically for patients, we have one specifically about wellness, and we have a great like beginner guide called Things Every Man Should Know if you're just wanting to make sure that you're being proactive about your screening. My name is uh, Matthew Reddig. I'm a medical doctor, specifically a medical oncologist. So the best thing that you can do to prevent prostate cancer is to lead a healthy life. To stay lean, to say ex- to, to exercise. What I like to say is, if it's good for your heart, it's good for your prostate cancer. It's good to prevent it, and it's actually helpful to manage it once it's already developed. You can eat fruit. The reason why fruit is okay, even though it has sugar, is that it's a fiber, so it gets absorbed slowly. Try to avoid lots and lots of red meat. I'm not saying avoid all these things. You have to live life and enjoy things, but a nice balance to eat vegetables, the things that are common sense. There's no rocket science to this. Eat those things that if it keep you lean, and if it keeps you lean and keeps your heart healthy, you'll be limiting your risk for prostate cancer and other cancers in general. So that's the first. Two is to exercise, okay? It can help with your risk, And it can also help if you have cancer to deal with the cancer and to tolerate treatment. And three is to have um, a a, a support structure, a social support structure. We know that men who have that kind of uh, support do better. And that's really critical. And of course, I would also add, go to your doctor. Make sure that you have regular follow-ups and checkups. Make sure you get appropriate screening for you And that's a blood test called a PSA. And that can be done typically when men are about 50, but that's individualized based upon the patient's history and family history of cancer. So there are different recommendations for the specific screening tests that are used for prostate cancer. And you should talk to your primary care physician in order to make that best decision for you. in regards to health, and wellness in food. Can you talk about that aspect and how that can help? Sure, sure. So we um, we really talk about three things at the Prostate Cancer Foundation. We have our three pillars, and that, those we say um, for prevention are you have to relax, which I all of us have a problem with. Yes. I'm the top of that list. <laughs> Me <to> too. <laughs> you have to exercise, and you have to eat real food. Okay, so in terms of the um, the recommendations for eating, you know, as I always like to say, your grandmother was right. When she said eat your vegetables, she was 100% right. And it, it's, that is the simplest way that I can state the recommendation is that you should always have some vegetables on your plate 
breakfast, lunch, or dinner while you're eating um, because we have discovered that uh, the more fruit and vegetable intake that you have, there's a relationship between all kinds of chronic disease. Things that are good for your prostate and other cancers are also good for your cardiovascular health and reduce death from a number of other causes. So it's 100% one of the main recommendations is make sure you're eating those brightly colored vegetables every single meal. When you talk about the pillars, I, I just think of body, mind, and soul. You know, mm. it's, all, yeah. it's, all, it's all one. It's all one big package. Continue talking about some of the things that we can do when we get checked when we get checked for prostate cancer, what what else happens in that with that process? Yeah, so uh, I think a lot of men are scared of their prostate cancer exam because uh, you know tr- traditionally there's been a lot of joking about the prostate cancer exam. It, 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 once the the doctor thinks you might have prostate cancer, they will do a digital rectal exam. Uh, but as of we know men don't like that. So um, as of right now, though, prostate cancer screening starts with a blood test. There's something called a PSA test stands for prostate-specific antigen, which is just a protein that's on the surface of prostate cancer cells. And so um, it isn't a 100% accurate test, but that, that initial screening, when you go to your doctor and you make a decision, you start that conversation, you and your doctor decide, okay, we're going to start screening you for prostate cancer at age 45. Well, that screen just starts with a simple blood test. Um, and that blood test, if you, you have to kind of look at the results of that blood test over time. Um, you know, if you start early enough year after year, when your doctor starts to see unusual changes in those test results, that's when you got to go on and get some additional testing. But to start out with, we try to get the message out that it's just a simple blood test. Yeah, I, that's one thing that I, I do remember my dad saying that PSA was high or something. I, I think mm-hmm. he was, yeah. and, then, and then that's when he had to go and, and get more tests. My work makes an impact in the lives of patients by directly understanding the um, internal mechanisms of the prostate cancer cell and translating those into ways to kill tumor cells while sparing the patient's normal cells, thereby improving quality of life and longevity, how long the person lives, and allowing that person to enjoy their family. I'm Johann Sebastian de Bono. I am the Regis Professor of Cancer Medicine at the Royal Marsden and the Institute of Cancer Research. I'm very proud that that um, research has changed prostate cancer care. My work developed Abiraterone. The way we think about cancer has changed in the last decade. And the studies we have done over the last decade mapping these cancers have allowed us to see that individual cancers like prostate cancer, breast cancer, are not one disease but many different diseases. This is allowing us to deliver much more precise treatment for each individual patient. And even today is having a major impact on benefiting the individual man with prostate cancer or woman with breast cancer by focusing on getting the right drug to the right patient at the right time. We were the first to show that PARP inhibitors work in DNA repair defective prostate cancers. I have men today in my clinic who would be dead if we hadn't done that work. The Prostate Cancer Foundation has done many amazing things, and we are blessed to say that uh, they funded research that has helped change prostate cancer care through our group in London in collaboration with colleagues all around the world. While we have made huge progress 
the need remains massive. Investing in the PCF will, I believe, decrease suffering, improve longevity of men with prostate cancer, improve their families and their families' lives, and I believe long-term also impact outcome from other cancers. So tell us about PCF's new 21 in 21. The yeah, so, so this is a healthy lifestyle challenge that we started in 2021. Look, it's been a tough year. Everyone has had, well, this year just started. It's been a tough last year. Yes. And we just want to make sure to give everybody a fun and simple way to start putting some of this science into action, right? Because you can go read our guide and you can read about relaxing and exercising and eating real food and you can take it in your head but you don't always have a good way to put it into action so the 21 and 21 challenge it really just gives people a way to do some of these things uh, in a way that's fun and interesting so for example day one of the challenge was called unlock your clock and one of the things we know about getting good rest is going to bed at the same time and waking up the same time every day, getting on that that consistent schedule, which again, um, I'll be the first one to say I'm not good at, <laughs> is, is one of the things that you can do to to help de-stress and relax. And you know, we have some really interesting data about stress. Uh, piece, one of our PCF funded researchers, Suzanne Conson, she she told me a great story when I interviewed her once, and she said that she she's a breast cancer researcher. We fund multi, multidisciplinary research because, as I said. You know, there's some overlap between these cancers. And and Suzanne said that she used to have women come into her office after they were diagnosed with breast cancer and say, you know, doctor, is this my fault? Did I do this to myself because I was so stressed out? And, you know, she would say, she would say, no, that's ridiculous. And as we're finding out more and more, it, it's no longer ridiculous. So what the Prostate Cancer Foundation does that's so great, I think, is it it takes some of these intuitive things like your grandmother told you to eat vegetables or you kind of know you shouldn't be stressed out right now or you need to take a deep breath and relax. We take those things and we do the research that proves that the things are related. So, so some of Suzanne's research recently showed that, you know, when the body responds to stress, it starts pumping out higher levels of your stress hormone, which is cortisol, right? And, mm-hmm. and it turns out that there are more cortisol receptors on prostate and ovarian cancer cells. Oh. And so and so that then actually could fuel the growth of cancer. And so while stress doesn't cause cancer, stress can influence cancer's ability to grow. And so people really really do have to be careful about it. So so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do this really cutting edge research where we take these things that we all kind of know and we put some real science behind them. Right. Right. Food is important. Relaxing, <laughs> non-stress, but also, let's, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, so also let's talk about the science behind eating. So if I, I told you the most important thing to eat is your vegetables, but if you ask me, you know, sort of the most important thing to um, to monitor or to moderate in your diet, I would say it's probably a tie between um, sugar and animal fat. Mm. Mm. So what do you think about that? How, how do, tell me personally, like, how, how are you doing on that scale? Oh, it, it's it's rough. It's, it's rough. rough. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> my my husband, he doesn't he tries not to eat as much sugar. He actually got it out of his diet a lot uh, in the past couple of years. Um, but me, I'm just 
it's just horrible <laughs> and <laughs> and the meat but um i've been doing a lot of research on like plant-based diets also you know eating more fresh fruits and vegetables and salmon my like my son he's eight he loves salmon so yeah we love fish fish yes. is great. we basically were recommending something very similar to the classic mediterranean diet you know that you know does that mm-hmm. resonate when i say that yes That's a, vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats like olive oil, fish, uh, especially um, fatty fishes like salmon, like you mentioned, so good. So you're doing good there. The Mediterranean diet, that doesn't include meat, right? Well, so we what we say at the Prostate Cancer Foundation is basically the foundation of your diet needs to be um, brightly colored vegetables. And everything else is in moderation. So if you have once a day a small piece of meat with all your brightly colored vegetables, that is far less important or, or detrimental than, say, um, eating a piece of chocolate cake three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Because, again, another thing we know, similar to what we now know about stress, is that we know that some cancers are hypersensitive to insulin. Um, and so eating sugar truly can fuel cancer's growth. So does that mean you never eat sugar? Does that mean you never have a cupcake or celebrate? No. It just means that you moderate these things in your diet and you make sure your diet, the foundation of your diet, is brightly colored vegetables. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorelai Mucci with the Prostate Cancer Foundation. People often ask me, Does broccoli prevent prostate cancer? Broccoli is one of many different vegetables that lowers the risk of cancer, including prostate cancer. Vegetables contain antioxidants and other phytochemicals that lower the risk of cancer. If you don't like broccoli, there's many different vegetables you can choose from. For more information, download our wellness guide at pcf.org. Advice that I often give to patients is to understand that this is a a journey, make a choice that is the most informed choice based on their priorities. Uncertainty is going to resolve as you come up with a good plan, a good medical plan with your physician. Understand that there are many different types of prostate cancer. Learn about the prostate cancer that you have. Your experience may be different than your neighbor's experience. Uh, The second bit of advice is seeking out uh, a center of excellence for your care, uh, somebody with a lot of experience, a group of people that you feel like are honest with you that can say, I don't know, uh, if they don't know, uh, but that can also give you hope and they can give you a plan. And the best advice in, in almost all cases is take a deep breath and step back. Most men have many more options and typically a better prognosis than they expect they have. African-American men are two times more likely to die from prostate cancer. But if caught and treated early, it has a survival rate of over 90%. But it takes a team to succeed. So do your part and talk to a doctor about getting screened for prostate cancer. The experience never stops. Never stops. On your station, 710 ESPN. Here's Laferne Cusack. So I also heard for... Uh, Black men, if they eat red meat, that's really causes, you know, cancer for them. They so there's a couple problems with red. So a couple problems with red meat. So um, red meat, and, and first of all, and then it's not just black men. It's 
Um, it, it, what we know about prostate cancer is that, um, charred meat in particular mm. is no good. Really? Um, and that, that just has to do with the, the chemicals that are created in that charring process. Okay. Not the same thing with vegetables. So if you like to, you know, stick some sweet potatoes in the oven and give them a nice char, fine. It's actually the proteins on the animal fat when charred that cause the problem. So as hard as this is, cause I uh, like a good burger with right. a nice char on it on the grill. Uh, right. but, you know, especially for men because of the relationship to prostate cancer, uh, you want to try not to char meats. And in fact, we also recommend staying away from, because, because you really want to stay away from, um, the, the saturated fat. So you, you want to stay away from prepared foods. You want to stay away from fast food for sure. Um, charred meat. Uh, but you know, a little piece of, um, of meat a couple times a week, it's not going to kill you. Um, but it is, it is something you want to limit in your diet. Um, and of course, many people choose to eliminate it. Then, you know, the plant-based diet is really taken off right now. Right. So, oh, that's what I, now I remember what I was going to ask you. So because we all are at home, have you found that more and more people are caring about their health and actually paying attention to it more, like what they're taking in? I think it's been kind of a curve, right? Because at the beginning, people were like, oh, I can make this at home. Oh, I don't need to order out. Oh, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to rock my kitchen now, but I think people are getting pretty sick of that right now. So I, I do think at the beginning of the pandemic, people really supercharged their home diet. I know that I, I started buying food from a, 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 a lovely little, um, you know, mom and pop food co-op called the Coldwater Farm Hub oh. here in, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, uh, Studio City and, and I think that other little things like that have popped up where you get, you know, go to your farmer's market, get those vegetables delivered direct to you. Um, and and so I think that's really helped people in the pandemic. They're home more. They're being more homebodies. Mm-hmm. But also everyone's tiring of it. And that's why we did the 21 and 21 challenge because people just need, they just need someone to tell them what to do now for a little while. Right. Julie, how can we sign up? So you got to go to pcf.org slash 21 in 21. Now, what is it? The 15th today, the 16th today. So we're, we're 16 days into the challenge, but it doesn't matter because you can start it anytime and you can repeat it. There's a lot of things in the challenge that repeat. So we've got, um, one of the things that repeats is every week we want you to take a nice long walk, try to work some hills in there because it's great to get the heart rate pumping. Uh, we know from research that even 20 to 30 minutes of, of daily exercise can really lower your risk for a number of chronic diseases, including cancer. So, Get, make sure you get that exercise in and sign up for the 21 and 21 challenge. Start it anytime. Repeat it as many times as you like. Take what you like. Do it again and again. Throw away the rest. Because ultimately, if you don't like something and you're forcing yourself to do it, mm-hmm. then it isn't going to be good for you because it's just going to stress you out. And now we're back in a circle again. <laughs> right. My body, soul. My body, soul. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all, you always have to pay attention because you can, you can get back into that cycle. I, I've done that, you know. You gotta listen to yourself. Yes, absolutely. So one thing that you did say previously is, you know, how men, they don't really like to talk about their, the prostate and, I was trying to think about that and wondering, you know, why that is. I was thinking maybe it's the side effects that people or men may think that they won't be as manly. Yeah. So, yeah. So erectile dysfunction is a side effect of prostate cancer treatment. Um, 
it is something that we're working on at the foundation. Um, again, we're not just about, we don't just want to save men's lives, but we want to make sure that they, they live healthy, fulfilling lives. Um, as we know, there are a number of side effects and yep, you, you know, you could maybe hesitate to go get treated because you are not looking forward to those side effects and look, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. There's not a guy that I've talked to who wouldn't say that that was a, that was an absolute uh, no go, but, but it's only going to be worse if it's not treated. And we know that. We know that, we know that intellectually, but sometimes emotionally it's hard to make that choice. But if it, look, if your prostate cancer is found early and you're treated, it, it, it's not going to take your life. And I think that's the most important thing. Even if you don't have full recovery of erectile function to have a natural erection, there are other ways that we can help you and your partner become sexually active. And that openness and that open discussion is very important. It's important to talk about side effects and what those risks of side effects are. Patients, when I see them, they used to always ask me now, what would you uh, recommend for your father? Now they're starting to ask, what would you recommend for your brother? But it's a very personal decision. I I think that in surgery, um, most men are really worried about incontinence. That is what I find most men are very uh, worried about. The reality is men do very well with regard to incontinence. Most men recover, recover full urinary control. The risk of Um, Incontinence is not zero, though. It's important to know that although it's a very small percentage, it's not zero. The other is sexual function. Either way, sexual function changes. So there's not only erections and erectile dysfunction, but also the fact that there's no ejaculate anymore. And with surgery, that happens immediately. With radiation, that happens gradually over time. The other thing I talk to men about with regard to erectile dysfunction is that um, engaging their partner and having an open mind and what I have found is that the um, men who come in and they speak openly about it and they you know speak with their uh, partner about it and have an open mind and speak together about it and openly with me those are the men who have the best outcome uh, and not necessarily in terms of recovery of erections, but just the best, I think, the best um, outcome in being satisfied with their uh, erectile dysfunction or if they have dysfunction or their sexual function because there are other methods we can use to get them sexually active. I recommend that men, when they're going to their physician and going to that consultation about their options for prostate cancer, that their partner is there so that they can have an open discussion, think about uh, not only the options, but what is the potential uh, future for them together uh, as a couple. That's very important. When I call a patient uh, with the results of their prostate cancer biopsy, um, I tell them to go onto the internet and go to two places. One, our Cancer Center website, but also PCF.org, because I know that that is a resource where they can go and get good information uh, about their options for prostate cancer, but also to understand what is prostate cancer. And you have some other side effects that you have on your website at PCF.org. You talk about urinary dysfunction, bowel dysfunction. Uh, yeah, urinary, uh, erectile dysfunction and urinary uh, incontinence are, are the two biggest um, side effects. Uh, the, the urinary incontinence thing is, is there's a lot of exercises you can do to help prevent that. I mean, 
And it's the same thing. I, you know, women have been told for years when you have a baby, right? You know, right. you got to do your kegels. Um, same thing for men when um, after, before and after the prostate cancer surgery can can really help strengthen that. Um, and but it is it is it's tough. It's something to it's something to consider, which is why we say to men there's there's a couple of different ways that you can be treated for prostate cancer. Look, some people, depending on your age, can just do active surveillance, right? So that's where we check because that PSA is is you know it's. It gives us such a good indication for when things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, some men can just participate in active surveillance, which means that they, they get their PSA checked more regularly. Their doctor's looking for changes um, and just just to make sure that the prostate cancer isn't growing because a lot of prostate cancers are so slow growing that right. they may never kill you. You grow old and die of something else. Right. So you may choose because of those side effects not to be treated at all. Um, and then surgery and radiation are the two other major treatments for localized uh, prostate cancer, and they have slightly different side effect profiles. So, you know, you have to really, we, we encourage men, really, you know, talk to your spouse, look at your lifestyle, and look at the side effects carefully and make a decision about how you're going to be treated. So when they do go in for uh, prostate cancer treatment, I remember my dad was saying that there's two different types of surgeries and he had the one with the three silver balls if if I'm saying that correctly that w- went in and provided the radiation inside yeah so that's um that's a kind of radiation therapy where uh, basically little radioactive particles are put um are inserted near the prostate and it, it emits just like a slow a low grade radiation directly into the prostate that that's certainly one of the kind that's actually a kind of radiation therapy okay. that you can choose there are a number so then once you decide are you going to do active surveillance or radiation or surgery then you get into so in for example the category of radiation there's a number of different types of uh, radiation that you can choose and different intervals um, when you can have treatment. So it's all about talking to your doctor, looking at your particular kind of prostate and the prostate cancer and your, your lifestyle and making sure that you're choosing the right treatment. Right. And the, no one treatment is right for everyone. Like it's, nope. it's you. You have to go in and decide with your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Spratt with the Prostate Cancer Foundation. What are natural cancer treatments? There's two ways to think about this. Alternative treatments that you take in place of standard treatments like surgery and radiation, these are not recommended. Or complementary treatments, which you take in addition to the standard treatments. Complementary medicine includes things like massage therapy, acupuncture, or various herbal or natural supplements. You need to be careful because there's a lot of hype around many of these supplements, often costing a lot of money and claiming that they can cure you of your disease. However, most physicians are hesitant to recommend these therapies due to simply lack of evidence. Before starting any complementary medicines, it's important to talk to your physician about how best and if at all to integrate these with your current treatment. For more information, go to PCF.org. The three pillars of cancer therapy up until two years ago, I would say, were slash burn and poison, you know, surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. But with immunotherapy, since your T cells can pretty specifically uh, recognize the tumors, they're, they're 
relatively few side effects. Immunotherapy is basically getting your immune system to treat cancer. The promise of immunotherapy is it can be curative. We could cure almost every kind of cancer. I'm Jim Allison. I'm a member and chair of the Department of Immunology and executive director of the Immunotherapy Platform at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, and uh, um, the winner of the 2018 Nobel Prize for Physiology of Medicine. What I've been trying to do for the last uh, 30 years, basically, is really understand how T cells work. T cells go all over your body and look for things that are wrong and and fix them. When I started working on this, nobody knew how they how they recognize that, how they know what's right, what's wrong. He was understanding it's really a uh, complex process. People say we learn to harness the immune system. That's not quite correct. We learned how to unleash the immune system to do what it was doing anyway, but just do it better. I grew up in Alice, Texas. My father was a country doctor. Country, I mean, he you know, made house calls. He was the first immunologist I knew, I think, although he didn't really know what immunology was because when I was a kid and he was going to a family, the kid had measles or mumps or that stuff, he would take me with him and make me sit with the kid for a while, make sure that I got the disease as well, you know, because he was aware that, you know, if you get those diseases as an adult, they can be devastating. There wasn't a lot of science in Alice. In fact, in the, I got in a lot of trouble to my senior year because I refused to take up biology because they didn't allow teaching of evolution. They allowed me to take uh, biology from the University of Texas by correspondence instead. I was just hooked. I wanted to do research. I never uh, really considered myself doing immunotherapy. I was just trying to understand T cells. And when I felt I really understood something, then I would try to use that to treat cancer. All you have to be is right once in a while, and if it's something important, that's good enough. If you're right all the time as a scientist, it means you're working on something boring and obvious. You should strive to have the world be a better place, you know, for your having been there. And I, I just thought through science and hard work, I might be able to do that. PCF's been a long time investor, I guess you should say, in our work and uh, contributed a lot to our success. They really helped um, get some early clinical studies done, which were successful. I, I think that uh, the Prostate Cancer Foundation is a worthy uh, cause for several reasons. One is, of course, the funding of research. It's better now than it used to be, largely because PCF is just elevating the science. In the exceptional responders, after the very first dose uh, that we administer intravenously, four or five hours later, the pain would start to go away, and we would get the patients back 24 hours later, one day later for a scan and review the patient, and they would say, my pain has disappeared. And one patient comes to mind, his wife was an oncology nurse and she's retired and she said, I've never seen a response like this in, in all my oncology career. He's gone from sort of almost wheelchair bound to two weeks later, mowing the grass uh, again. So a really remarkable improvement in quality of life. interested in developing targeted radiopharmaceuticals. That, that is, radioactive particles that can be delivered just to tumor cells and not to normal cells so that we can radiate the tumor 
without radiating uh, normal cells. It's like going out into the sun and sitting out there for too long and getting a sunburn. Uh, that's a form of radiation from the sun. Uh, here it would be like getting a really, really bad sunburn uh, to these tumours and killing them. But with a one millimetre path length, there's not too much damage to normal tissue around. So it's a very novel way to kill tumours wherever they are in the body uh, without harming normal tissues. We recognised uh, very early on that this molecule that got named PSMA was in fact highly specific to prostate cancer cells. And as a result, uh, provided us with a potential target that we could go after uh, by developing an antibody that would bind only to PSMA. Uh, and we could use that antibody as a targeting vehicle. We could put payloads, a variety of payloads on that antibody. So we could put a radiopharmaceutical on the, on the antibody. Uh, we could put uh, drugs on the antibody. Uh, we could put imaging agents uh, on the antibody. Uh, and so it becomes a very modular approach to allow us to, um, to do a variety of, of, of things for patients. PSMA imaging, I believe, will be um, uh, approved by the FDA in, in the coming months. And so um, maybe in, in relatively short order, we'll start to see the first uh, PSMA uh, targeted therapeutic uh, more broadly available to patients. Uh, we see response, good responses in around 60% of patients, meaning improved quality of life, uh, decreased pain, PSA dropping by more than half. So at least three quarters of patients are seeing those sorts of responses. So for a patient out there who does not know what the Prostate Can Cancer Foundation is, uh, I would like them to know that they are truly funding the most innovative research around the planet uh, in all corners. And, and they do this very quickly. Uh, most of the money is going towards uh, research and they have a very fast evaluation process so that that money is going from you uh, to the researchers much faster than many other uh, equivocal charities or particularly government funding bodies uh, around the world. And this will hopefully uh, achieve our aim of you know, decreasing deaths from prostate cancer and eliminating our prostate cancer globally. The experience on 710 ESPN continues. Back to Laferne Cusack. You know, you talked about how, you know, the whole family is affected, you know, by prostate cancer. How do you factor that into um, your organization? So we, we try to, again, do things like the 21 and 21 healthy challenge that everybody in the family can do uh, just to get everybody talking about uh, cancer and what your cancer risk might be. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to even have cancer in your family to start taking some of these lifestyle um, challenges and making some of these changes that can help prevent, again, What's good for cancer or good, what's good for fighting cancer is also good for a healthy heart. It's good for preventing a number of other chronic diseases. So, so you gotta, you've gotta, first of all, you gotta know your risk. Number one, know your risk. And that involves having sometimes difficult conversations. Look, I, my family is Italian and, and all I know that is my grandmother died from cancer down there. Literally, that is the, I work in cancer and that is still the only thing I know. I know that these conversations are difficult. <laughs> right. 
And But you have to have them. You have to try. Julie, how can we take action to help find a cure for prostate cancer? First of all, you can you can go to PCF.org anytime and, and make a donation um, uh, to uh, cutting-edge prostate cancer research and some of this lifestyle research. Uh, you can participate in the 21 and 21 challenge. Coming up, um, just to give you a little preview, in March, keep your eyes out because we're going to have a 100-mile walking challenge. Mm. So, again, we try to do these things where we're we're giving you something concrete, some concrete actions to take so that it's not all cerebral, like you know these things, but you're not really going to do it. And so uh, we encourage you, come back in March, register for the walking challenge. Uh, it's going to be a great way to both build community, which we know is so important right now as we're, yes. we're all suffering from a little bit of social isolation right now. But you can you can find yourself a lovely online community uh, by joining our, our 100, 100 Miles in March challenge and um, meet a whole bunch of other interesting people who uh, also want to take charge of their health like you. I love it. Now, Julie, again, give us some top things that we can do to help ourselves and reduce our risk for prostate cancer? Well, for reducing risk for prostate cancer, I would say number one thing you've got to do, first of all, is you got to have a conversation. We say up and down the, the, um, the family tree. So you have to talk to the, you know, the, the wise elders in the family who sometimes maybe, you know, when they were younger, not as easy to talk about this stuff. You got to get them to talk about who's had cancer in the family. Right. So then that's so that you can keep yourself and your kids safe. And that's the first thing you have to do. You have to have the talk. And then once you've had the talk, you have to get screened at the right time. So then you go talk to your doctor about precision screening. And simultaneously, our three pillars, you've got to relax as much as you can, exercise every day uh, and eat real food, whole foods, um, uh, uh, a diet that's rich in vegetables low in animal proteins, um, grains, beans, whole foods. Yes, and join the 21 in 21 Healthy Living Campaign Pledge. (laughs) Take the 21 in 21 Challenge, pcf.org slash 21 in 21. Thank you. Thank you, Laferne. This has been so enlightening, and it, it gives me hope that, you know, more men will take charge of their health and families will do the same and, and join the Healthy Pledge Challenge. Thanks for having me today. Good luck with your uncle. Thank you. Julie DiBiase, Vice President of Original Content for the Prostate Cancer Foundation. For more information, please log on to PCF.org. That's PCF.org. You've been listening to The Experience with Laverne Cusack. Getting the residents of Los Angeles, Orange County, and all of Southern California closer to their community. It's The Experience with Laverne Cusack on 710 ESPN.